Well, you've been in services. You know we're talking about the year of transformation, and specifically right now the processes that God uses to transform our lives. We know they're inherently biblical. They're listed as theological truths in the Word of God. They're things that happen to us instantly at the new birth, and also they're processes that happen to us over time. We've talked about salvation. Everybody say salvation. salvation. We've talked about justification. Aren't you glad you're born again? But you're also right with God today. You're in right standing with Him. And we talked about adoption. We are His kids. And we are His heirs. Aren't you glad about that? In the future weeks, we'll talk about things like sanctification and impartation. We'll deal with redemption. And we'll also deal with glorification. But the thing I want you to understand today before we dive into this is we don't do any of these things in a vacuum or in a bubble. There's warfare going on. There's a very real devil. I know it's not popular in some circles of the church to talk about hell and the devil, but there is a hell to shine and there is a devil to defeat. Amen. In fact, the Lord has defeated him and we need to exercise our authority over him daily to maintain that defeat. So while he is transforming us, and how many glad you're not what you used to be? Try that one more time. Amen. Because if you don't, amen, I'm going all the way back to the beginning of this series, all the way through this series, and we'll be here till midnight, hallelujah. Okay. All right. Praise the Lord. Let's do it. Amen. <laughs> hallelujah. I hear a couple of you saying, who is that? Sit him down. Amen. <laughs> Give him a muzzle. <laughs> Praise the Lord. You can't beat that kind of enthusiasm, though, for the things of God, can you, church? And so we're not uh, in, a, in a bubble. We have a very real enemy. And what's been on my heart is to talk to you about the concepts of specifically uh, demon activity and how you and I need to be more discerning now than we have ever been before. There's a darkness out there. You and I have to understand that uh, two sides of, you know, of the same coin, one refers to discerning of spirits according to 1 Corinthians 12, that you and I can have in our lives the ability to discern the origin or source of an utterance or a manifestation. And you need to understand what that is. To instantly know, where did that thing come from? Did it come from the human spirit? Say the human spirit. Did it come from the Holy Spirit? Say Holy Spirit. Did it come from a demonic spirit? And you've got to understand that. Now that's the limitation. That, those are the bookends for that, spe that specific spiritual gift in 1 Corinthians 12. Now general discernment, it's taught to us in scriptures like uh, Hebrews uh, chapter 5, if you want to turn there. Hebrews 5, for everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongs to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised or trained to discern both good and evil. This is what we call general discernment. And as you train yourself in this teaching of righteousness, as you become more and more familiar with the book that you're holding or the device that you're holding that represents the Word of God, as you do that, you're better able to discern right from wrong, good from evil, and light from darkness. So one side of this coin is general discernment in life. The other side of this coin is where you have discerning of spirits operating in your life, and you can know instantly the source of an utterance or a manifestation. And it's not always simple. Um, it's something that you and I grow in, something you and I develop in. But it's, it's, it's very, very important that you are able to do this in the days that we live in. Um, years ago, while I was in school, pastor asked me to do a couple services. 
We were in the old domes over here. And so I said, okay. And so we traveled up from Springfield and we did that. And uh, that particular night, we we're going to have a communion service. And uh, we had some people that came down for prayer on the altar. And this, this young lady, she's probably 24, 25 years old. When I laid hands on her, she went back on all fours. And I thought, I'm glad I came home. And at that moment, I didn't know what exactly I was dealing with. By about 11 o'clock, we figured out that it was her touched in the head. But other than that, you know, it was a good service. What's really funny is my mom and dad came to that exact service. And all I remember were my dad's eyes looking like saucers. Whenever you see a Lutheran run into a demon possession, that's what they look like. Amen? And she just, uh, just freaking out, you know. And so sometimes it's just somebody in their personality, in their flesh. Sometimes it can be, you know, physical, biological. And sometimes it is spiritual. And you need to know not only that aspect of it, but you need to know what you're dealing with in terms of the operation of, of the evil one. So I'm going to break this down for you. Then, you know, basically empower you to walk out of here preparing yourself and protecting yourself from being a demonized person. When I say demonized, I don't mean somebody's trying to vilify you. I mean the enemy's trying to camp and make residence in your life, not through a possession, but through influence and through insinuation. So Luke 12, Jesus says this in verses 54 to 56. He talks about the weather. You know, you can tell if it's going to be sunny. You can tell if it's going to be rain, but you can't discern the times that you're actually in. In 1 Chronicles 12, the Bible says from the tribe of Issachar, there are over 200 leaders of the tribe with their relatives. And all these men understood the signs of the times and knew the best course for Israel to take. Look at somebody and tell them they knew the times and they knew the course to take. Uh, you and I are living in dark times. We're living in sinful times. So how are you glad that we're sin abounding? Grace much more abounds. Turn to somebody and tell them grace God's favor is abounding all the more. So, you know, we're not worried about what the devil is doing or other people are doing, but you and I have got to be people that protect ourselves and our families, our churches. Can I have an amen, amen. from what's going on? Now, discernment is the quality of being able to grasp and comprehend what is obscure. It's the ability to decide between truth and error, right and wrong, and separate good from evil or falsehood from those things that are true, wisdom from foolishness. And have you noticed out there there's a lot of foolishness going on? So I wanted to break this down for you and then continue in this message. Um, the first level of demonic activity is what I just simply call demonic agitation. Demonic agitation. Have you ever felt like there was a demon operation against you trying to agitate you and bother you? Okay. Uh, you know, Todd referred to something like that before. It includes things like temptation. It includes things like uh, the enemy causing you uh, to be confused or feeling uh, like there's a hostile force against you or opposition against you. Jesus no doubt felt that way in Luke 4, Matthew 4, when the devil came to him to tempt him. So it has nothing to do with possession, has nothing to do with something necessarily that you're doing. It's just a fact of life. If you live in this world, you're going to experience agitation, temptation from the evil one. But how many know the greater one lives on the inside of you? Yes. And the devil came to him to bring this agitation and temptation, and Jesus just whipped out the holy book, amen, right. and opened up a can of whip on him. Amen. The Bible says he, he fleed from him, but for an opportune time. What does that tell you about the nature of the devil? He doesn't give up easily. Because you beat him today doesn't mean he's done. Well, they're too much for me. Demon agitation is one level. 
Demon oppression is another level. And think about oppression this way. Think about the enemy trying to exert sustained pressure against your mind, against your emotions, against your life. It's not something that comes with a fleeting temptation and it's gone. It is consistent. There's a war going on against your mind, against your emotions. You're not functioning at your best. And the bottom line is if you and I, you know, don't recognize this and deal with this appropriately, he can push us right off of God's will. That's what the pressure is all about. I think about an example in Scripture. I think about Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Uh, did Jesus pray to have that cup removed from him? Yes. And he had agreement from other forces in that garden. And you can understand the pressure he was under. You remember the Bible talks about he, he even sweat, what? Drops of blood being under that kind of pressure. But aren't you glad he did not yield to that pressure? Aren't you glad that he went ahead and went to the cross for you and for me? Without that, we're still in our sins. And I can tell you this, if you and I yield to the pressure of the evil one, there will be spiritual consequences for ourselves, but also for other people. We can't allow the devil to press us off what God has assigned us to do. You say, well, I thought this was going to be easy. God's just going to bless everything and everything's going to be fine. The further you go into the will of God, the more pressure you're going to experience. Look at somebody and tell them, Christianity, real Christianity, is not for pansies. Real men, real women who understand what they're dealing with. So you're going to see agitation. You're going to see oppression come into your life. And third, I want to skip directly to possession. And if you came here today and you're possessed, you're going home free. Pastor, uh, people don't show up in church services possessed. Ask a pastor if you want the answer to that question. Just because they're selectively under control doesn't mean they're not there. I know some of you are starting to do, starting to look around you right now. I saw that. <laughs> this is not a message about your neighbor. We're with agitation, there is temptation and there is accusation. With oppression, there is pressure. With demon possession, there is outright control and domination. You slipped into an area where you're no longer calling the shots. God's not calling the shots. You, in fact, are possessed. And there's only one remedy for that, and that is deliverance. And just for the record, not every person who's possessed is, has something like a psychosis going on. This is very, very real. And, um, you know, if you're an American Christian and you think, well, uh, this doesn't happen over here, get ready. God is about to pour out His Spirit. And when that Spirit comes in contact with a demonic stronghold, one is going to yield to the other. And when they do, it's kind of weird. See, if you come in with your little religious hat, and you're not used to wearing phenomenon, there are much safer places to go to church in this region than this place. Where it's all finely packaged. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? Where we recognize the Holy Ghost only in form, but not in power. When the Holy Ghost in power runs across this particular spirit, it yields from the demoniac to you know, what you have seen, I think you guys were telling me that an eight-year-old was baptized at the North Georgia Revival, right? And manifested in the tank. 
Some of you are thinking, how can a demon manifest in the tank? I've seen people manifest in the tank myself too. They, they come up full of uh, sin. They, they, you know, they go down sinful, they come up sinful. But you're going to see things that you're not going to be able to explain in the natural, but they are real. Now the reason I went ahead and skipped to this is because I don't think most of you are possessed. <laughs> I guess that's a place you can give the Lord a hand clap. You should be glad about that. I'm, I'm not possessed. Praise the Lord. But I do know that after being in this a while, there are those that are severely agitated. There are those that are severely oppressed from time to time. And this fourth category is about demonization. And this is the primary operation of the evil one against the people of God in the day that we live in. Now, demonization is not where you come under the control and absolute bondage of the evil one. But you do come under what I would call his, his influence. Say it would be influence. It's to come under the active influence, deception, and direction of demonic spirits. So what's happening here is you have allowed yourself to be subject to this, and now you're cooperating with this, and certainly you're not out there doing the, the will of God and producing the kind of fruit you should because something happened along the way that opened up a door to that, and it was entertained long enough for that to become a stronghold in your life. But it's not possession. You say, uh, is possession real? Yeah, Judas was possessed in the presence of Jesus Christ, during the Last Supper. Give that some thought. It's real. But people who are born again, spirit-filled, walking with God, uh, the enemy is not going to operate that way against you. He's going to operate from the outside in. And one of his choice you know, methods of doing this is a thing called demonization. He seeks to get you under his influence and deception and direction so that you're doing not what God wants you to do. You're servicing something else. It's more than distraction, but that's part of it. Um, John 16, 2, Jesus said, They'll put you out of the synagogue. In fact, the time is coming when anyone who kills you will think they're offering a service to God. The demonized person operates this way. Some try to kill the body, but a lot of them in our day just try to kill the reputation. It's a demonized Christian that tries to sully and soil the reputation of another believer. Or another ministry. Keep the ministries out of your mouth. Keep other ministers out of your mouth. That's none of your business. God did not call you. You didn't call them. God called them. Who are you to judge another man's servant? And when somebody through YouTube, spew to Facebook, to Facebook, or whatever, goes after another ministry, what you, and then I'm trying to help here. Look at somebody and say, Pastor is trying to help us here. You shouldn't receive from that ministry. Because that ministry, by very definition, is operating as a demonized ministry. We should be supporting one another, encouraging one another. We have enough junk going on against the body of Christ. We don't need the body of Christ attacking each other. Are you here today? So here's what you do when you see somebody doing that. You just turn it off and say, Lord, I pray for them, I bless them, but I am not going to subject myself to a demonized ministry. Amen. Where they're the only ones... Doing it right. Mm -hmm. John 8, the Pharisees replied to Jesus, Aren't we right in saying that you are a Samaritan and demon-possessed? A little racism, a little blasphemy. 
He said, I'm not possessed by a demon, but I honor my father and you dishonor me. Are you here today? That's what that spirit operates in. Paul told Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 24, And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome or in strife, but be kind to everyone. To whom? Everyone. To whom? Everyone. To everyone. Able to teach, not resentful. Opponents must be gently instructed in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth, and that they will come to their senses. Everybody say, come to their senses. And escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. Now this is the very definition of what demonization is all about. You're trapped and now you're not doing God's will. You think you are just like the Pharisees thought they were doing God's will. <laughs> but in reality, they're not doing God's will. They're trapped by the enemy. And the, 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 the prayer is, the hope is they'll come to their senses. Now how many can figure out it's better not to be demonized than to have to come to your senses after you're demonized? That's the goal today. But he's saying they're demonized and he wants them to come to their senses. And listen to what this literally means in the Greek. It means to become unintoxicated again. It means they are spiritually intoxicated. Say that with me. Demonized people are spiritually intoxicated. True or false, a Christian can get drunk. I didn't say they should get drunk. I said, can they physically get drunk? Yes. Can they get high? They can also what? Be spiritually intoxicated. Which means their senses aren't working, their perceptions not working, their decision faculties aren't working correctly, their sermon is not there, and God wants them to come back to their senses. This is a reality throughout the body of Christ. Say it with me demonization is spiritual intoxication. Amen. How many know that if you got drunk, you can become sober? If you got high, you can come down. And if you've been demonized, you can come out of it in Jesus' name. Amen. So, Pastor, how many demonized people do we have here today? We're going to find out. Amen. Hallelujah. You say, uh, seriously, Pastor, how many do you have? Well, I'll be perfectly honest with you. Demonized people don't typically like me very long. So to be honest with you, not a lot. This is what you call preventative medicine today. Amen. Glory to God. Paul taught us and gave us an end time warning and showed us how people actually become demonized in 1 Timothy chapter 4. I'm going to read this to you from the King James. It says, now the Spirit speaks expressly. Who's speaking? Who is? The Spirit is speaking expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith. Now raise your hand if you think we're in the last days. Let me see your hands if you think you're in the last days. All right? So we're in the last days, and who's speaking here? Okay, we're talking about latter days, and we're talking about the Spirit of God is doing the talking. And what is he saying? He's saying, Some shall depart from the faith. You cannot depart from something that you were not first a part of. Well, you know, I just believe you can't depart from the faith. Well, I'm going to go with you or I'm going to go with Paul. Here's the tip. I'm going to go with Paul on this one. You can. And the reason you can, the reason it happens is people give heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. 
This is where the discernment on one coin side, the, the ability to determine where an utterance, a manifestation came from, human spirit, Holy Spirit, demonic spirit, or the other side, general discernment by training yourself in righteousness through the scriptures, the meat of the word of God. By doing that, you recognize when something's trying to seduce you or something is trying to instruct you that is coming from the heart or from the mouth of a devil. Now, let's take the seducing spirits first of all. Seduction simply means the gradual luring away from right conduct and right believing. Say that with me. The gradual, gradual removing from right conduct and right believing. They stop doing the right things and they stop believing the right things. The seduction happens gradually, which means that you and I have some time to tell the devil to take a hike. Amen. So that we're not in a place where we're demonized. It's not like, okay, I woke up today and I was demonized. No, this takes time for you to become a demonized believer. You believe in Jesus, but you're actually not doing the things he's called you to do. Seduction is the gradual moving away from right conduct and right believing. Doctrines of devils is interesting because it takes you to mind, well, okay, so I've never been to a, to a demon convention to listen to the doctrines of devils. I've been to believers' conventions. So how do these doctrines of devils get into the church so that people can be demonized by grabbing onto them? They come through men and women who are preaching the word, so-called. Platforms just like this. Sunday schools across the country. Churches that are more concerned today with, quote, social justice than they are with spiritual justice. They're trying to solve society's ills by ignoring the Great Commission. You can't do that. These doctrines aren't coming from a demon convention somewhere. And I've never had a demon as a guest speaker that I know of. <laughs> and if it was, it wasn't intentional. Now coming, you know, super duper demon over here. And he starts speaking and giving you a doctrine of a devil. No, they come through people. That's why you have to be discerning. You don't have to be ugly. You don't have to be judgmental. You just have to be discerning in what you allow to come into your heart, into your home, into your ears. Are you here today? This is how you become demonized. And from Paul's teaching, we can expect more of this, can't we? In these last days. I turn to somebody and say, I refuse to be the devil's play toy. I refuse to be demonized. Amen. Well, how can you tell a person is demonized? I turn to your neighbor and say, you need to listen to this very carefully. <laughs> Come on, I said, I refuse to be demonized. The Bible says that uh, we should be seeking God's will and doing God's will on earth as it is in heaven. A demonized person is seriously not himself or herself, which means we have seen them function at a, at a level of, of integrity in terms of the things of God, and all of a sudden they're veering off in uncharacteristic behavior or choices or moods. There are now new patterns of sin. They were living one way, and now they're living in a different kind of, uh, you know, compromising lifestyle. Number two, the person treats spiritual authority with contempt and dishonor. 
as the Pharisees did with Jesus, this spirit is alive and well in the house of God. A spirit is driving them to do so. So it's no longer just about how they view leadership. They want to suck other people into that same mindset. It's a very dangerous pattern here. This person often uh, describes or identifies as a victim instead of an overcomer. Somewhere they're nursing some kind of wound or offense. Say it with me. They have some kind of a victim mentality. You know, you and I are called to be overcomers. Wednesday night, we call our church the Overcomers Club. Not the Down and Outers Club. Not the Gloom, Doom, Despair, and Agony on Me Club. But what? The Overcomers Club. They overcoming something for the glory of God. And you are too. Amen. Uh, but, you know, our country is filled with this victim mentality. And it has seeped into the house of God. And when it seeps into the house of God, it's manifesting some demonization there in the lives of God's people. That's not what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be becoming more like Christ. We're supposed to be transformed into His image, not demonized. So be careful when you start thinking, acting, talking like a victim. You can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. And the voices in this nation are ringing all throughout the land. I'm a victim. You need to pay me. I'm a victim. You need to do this for me. You offended me. I'm looking for a safe space. I'll show you some safe spaces. Amen. Catering to this. And if you get sucked into it, that's how you view things. You need to take care of me. I'm a victim. I went through this. You need to come to me and give me some attention. You need to take care of the situation for me because I'm, I'm a victim. No, you're not a victim. You're more than a conqueror. The whole time Jesus ministered, he never played the victim card. Amen. Number four, this person ignores, rejects, or misapplies Scripture. They have blinders on to the plain teachings of Scripture. For example, they may take issue with you over some doctrinal area. Can I help you out here? If your doctrine takes you out of what? The greatest commandment? Your doctrine is junk. Yes. When you become the belligerent, judgmental, critical person because you don't see it like they see it and you come out of love you know, in support of your doctrine, you just stepped out of the primary command to a believer. You know someone's doctrine is really right when they're walking in love. Are you here today? They're walking in what? They're walking in love. By their perfect doctrine, you'll know they're my disciples. The unity of the faith Paul talks about is not unity or uniformity of doctrine. I could call on 10 of you right now and ask a doctrinal question. I could probably get five or six different answers. And that you're all here worshiping, aren't you? In unity of what? Faith in the Son of God who came to save us and deliver us. Amen. So it's fine to have ideas and concepts. It's fine to study. It's fine to whatever. But all of a sudden you're walking out of love. You have a problem with it. Amen. I shared this one time. Kelly was, was speaking for me. I was out of town and and she was speaking and wasn't using the King James Version. Everybody say, God bless the King James Version. God bless the King James Version. Beautiful. I have a problem with it, but it's not the only, amen, accurate translation. This is not. If you've been taught that, then uh, you get your little case and put your little King James, and then bow down to it and worship it. <laughs> but um, there's some people who have a problem with women in the ministry. 
My Bible tells me that in the last days, God will pour out His what? Spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters will do what? In other words, God will use them to communicate the truth of God in real time. Huh? So when this guy saw a woman stand up and was not using King James, he had to make a big to-do. Watch this. Make as much noise as you can. Draw attention to yourself that you're displeased. There's a woman in the pulpit. Oh. Reading out of the NIV. Oh. <laughs> Walked out with a big, you know, huff and a puff. Walked through the doors back there. And, and if I knew who the greeter was that did this, I'd give him a kiss on the forehead. They smiled a big old smile at them. Opened up the door and said, have a nice day. On the way to deal with that. Hey, your doctrine and beliefs cause you to come out of love. There's something wrong with your doctrine. Amen. Biblical doctrine is going to cause you to what? Be humble, not more arrogant. Loving and kind. Number five, this person gathers with anyone who sympathizes with them, but withdraws from anyone challenging them. Friends become enemies, and enemies oddly become friends with them. Number six, the person is emotion ruled rather than spirit ruled. Their feelings take the place of the leadership of the Holy Spirit. If I feel it, it's gospel. Can I tell you something? Your feelings are not fully redeemed. They must be subjected to the Word of God. Amen? And you can feel yourself right out of the will of God if you're not careful. One of the last you're really bastions of development in the body of Christ in the Western world today is what I call not just spiritual maturity, but the ability to submit those emotions to the Lord. We do not have our emotions to, experience, to, to rule our lives. We have emotions to experience our life. But somebody's demonized, man. They're all about how they feel. Person number seven is obsessed with hurts and others apologizing while they withhold grace, mercy, and forgiveness to others. They're obsessed with hurts. They get stuck at the point of hurt and they can't move forward. Amen. And the problem with this is, you know, we, we just really don't have any more time for this nonsense. We just don't. Clock is ticking. Jesus is coming back. What we do, we have to do quickly. So it's time for us just to go ahead and, and uh, you know, ask forgiveness, be forgiven. Amen. Extend forgiveness and walk on, do what God has called us to do. So you'll find out that this kind of a spirit and demonization go hand in hand. Number eight, the person facilitates ungodly communication under the banner of transparency and healing. They run their mouth. They think they're actually doing this because it's the right thing to do. No Christians let no unwholesome communication come out of their mouth. We have Christian counselors today, psychologists that are telling people, you need to go and talk this out and bring everybody you can into this mess. In other words, they're actually telling people to sow strife in the body of Christ and thinking it's going to turn out well. You can't violate the Word of God and things turn out well. So if you're a child of God and you've been asking God for direction, you have an interest you know, in helping people emotionally and mentally in a Christian perspective, right now we can really use some really God-called, born-again, spirit-filled counselors in the body of Christ. Because what we have right now, we have more people walking away from the Word of God than underscoring their counsel with the Word of God. Hallelujah. So we don't decry that counseling is effective and good. You guys make sure it's from a biblical worldview. Are you here today? Number nine, the person actively tries to draw others into their demonized state. Say this with me. Demons flock together. 
It's not enough that they're demonized. They want you to be as well. One of the worst things you can do is try to suck somebody else into your offense. You're defeated, so let's get them defeated as well. Now, our job is we should get free and help other people get free. Look at somebody and say, get free and stay free. That's what we're supposed to be doing. Not seeing how many people we can get into a place of demonized living. What does that do? It neutralizes us in terms of the kingdom of God. We're still here, but we're not effective because we're under the wrong kind of influence. Amen. So the key today is how do you protect yourself from demonization? Amen. Um, throughout the body of Christ, you, you see people doing things you wouldn't think they would do in a million years. Making choices they would never make in a million years. Uh, if you've been one to say, I, I can't believe somebody that's a Christian would do something like that, you're minimizing the power of the demonization of a person. Turn to somebody and say, you're capable of anything. All you have to do is be influenced the wrong way. Amen? And so it becomes not just... Uh, Okay, great, we need to be more discerning. Okay, great, thanks for the information. Thank, thank God we're not possessed today. It's more than that. It's walking out here protecting yourself with the truth of the Word of God and the principles of the Word of God, the lifestyle, the discipline of the child of God, so that you are not a person who is, you know, even remotely a candidate for demonization. How many of y'all can remember when you were in the world and you didn't know the Lord? Raise your hand. Raise it up high. They'd be like, no, man, I came out saved. No, you didn't. <laughs> you can remember that life before. Who wants to go back to that? So how to protect yourself? Number one, stay immersed in the Word of God. Notice I didn't say get sprinkled with the Word of God. You're bombarded by hundreds of thousands of words every single day from all kinds of sources, you better stay immersed in what God says in His Word. This is the first step into that demonization when you begin to think contrary to what God actually says. How does that work? It works by you making up your mind that I'm going to have my mind renewed constantly in the Word of God. So when I hear something that is bogus or inconsistent with the Word of God, I know that I can cast that down. How can you know if you don't know what the Word of God says? You can't. And a lot of people that are marginal Christians who only pick up a Bible when there's a sermon going forth or some blue moon, they're not going to be prepared to deal with this. This activity is not going to decrease in these last days. Amen. And you know, God needs every person in this room, everybody watched online, God needs you engaged in these last days. Don't need you out in the outback of demonization. We need you front and center. So we don't sprinkle around here. Come on, say, we don't sprinkle around here. We immerse. Stay immersed. Wash yourself daily in the water of the Word of God. Number two, quickly deal with hurts, wounds, and disappointments. Because they make us fodder for demonization. Offense, bitterness, unforgiveness. Listen carefully. When we're offended, it makes the lies of the enemy more palatable. The more bitter you are, the more you'll believe a lie. And there's the catch. 
The enemy would love for you to be in a mode of unforgiveness and bitterness because he knows he can say things to you and get them across that normally you would reject those things. Say that with me. Unforgiveness, bitterness, offense makes the lies of the enemy more palatable. Well, you know what? Maybe, maybe that's true. No, he's a liar and the father of lies. Can I have an amen? The more time you spend offended, the more likely you will become demonized. Let me say that one more time. The more time you spend offended, the more likely you will become demonized. Neutralized by that offense. Number three, pray in the Holy Ghost profusely. Keeps you on the active ready for demonic activity. Pray like you never have before. Without shame. The Bible says building yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Jude verse 20. Uh, this is what I'm saying right now. Uh, years ago I did research on the connection between salvation and the baptism of the Holy Ghost in, in a major Pentecostal organization, the Assemblies of God. And I found out only 14% of those that were saved were getting baptized in the Holy Ghost. Which means only 14% were actively using their prayer language. Now, I say this to gear you up for a message in a few years, in a few years, in a few weeks. <laughs> this is going to be a long series, isn't it? Amen. Years. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Hallelujah. <laughs> but in a few weeks, when you hear us talking about impartation, you make up your mind, I'm walking out of that service baptized in the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, and I'm not going to be shamed out of it. I'm not going to be talked out of it. Because when you have an organization that believes technically on paper, but it's not being practiced, you've taken away one of the main weapons that you have as a child of God. When you're under pressure spiritually, you may not know what to do, but you can pray in the Holy Ghost and press through and break through in ways you can never do in English. And the good news is everything you say in tongues comes to pass and everything you pray lines up with the Word of God. That's not the way it is when we pray in English sometimes. Sometimes our prayers are, oh me, and oh God, and why? When you're praying in tongues, it's just the word of God. It's like loading your gun and giving it at the devil, amen, everything you have. So what do you do? You, you use this not as some experience one day where you had a goosebump or my wasn't that a lovely service and you felt inspired, but you use it as a weapon every single day of your life. It's powerful. But nobody can make you do it. Some of you will just need to just stir this up on the inside of you. Some of you will have to deal with things like shame. Some of you will have to deal with false doctrine. You were taught that this has passed away. We don't need the Holy Spirit like that anymore. We don't need His gifts. Are you nuts? We have never needed the Holy Ghost more than we need Him right now. We need to be Word people and we need to be Spirit people. And people are content to be intellectual in their presentation and doctrinaire in their presentation. Amen. We need to have the Word of God and we need to have the Holy Ghost. We need to have the knowledge but have it on fire. And I was praying before a staff meeting the other day and the Holy Ghost just said, just came out of my spirit. He said, I'm about to fire kiss that church. Well, pucker up. What's he saying? He's talking about impartation of the Holy Ghost, impartation of fire and zeal, impartation and development of holiness. He's on a mission. 
How many are ready to receive that kiss? But you need to be using these things like never before. If you were praying at this level, then take it up a notch. If you weren't using it at all, then repent for not using it and get on with it. Amen. Amen. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. For it's the power of God <laughs> unto salvation. Say, I'm not ashamed of any of it. Say, I'm not ashamed of it. Say, I'm not ashamed. Say, I'm not ashamed. Well, you know, brother, I just, uh, we just kind of stick with the Pauline theology. We really respect the Pauline theology. Now, do you now? Because that same Paul said, I thank God I speak in tongues more than you all. Well, I don't know about that, that word, that word of faith stuff. Where would you get that title from? Well, you know what? It came from the same apostle. He said, the word is nigh you. Amen. It's not up there. It's not down there. It's in your heart and in your mouth. The word of faith that we preach. You believe in your heart? God raised Jesus from the dead. And you say with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. Confession is made unto salvation. Here's the secret. Somebody may say, I don't believe that word faced up. They can say that, but they got saved by it. They got saved by believing in the heart and saying with their mouth. All we say around here is that's just the start of the promises you can obtain by believing in your heart and saying with your mouth. It's one mechanism. Are you here today? I don't know about that stuff. I'm Pauline in my theology. Are you? Well, then speak in tongues more than them all. If you're really Pauline. We don't need him less right now. We need him more than we've ever seen before. Say it with me. More word. More Holy Ghost. More baptisms. Turn to somebody and yell, Pucker up! Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> so what I'm saying is, you know, a couple of weeks, you need, to, you need to walk in this church with your lips pursed. <laughs> Come on, say it. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Proficiency. Can I tell you a secret here? The, the enemy hates tongue talking. Hates it. And how many have been aggravated by him a time or two? Don't you want to even the score a little bit? Don't you want to aggravate him? <laughs> Number four, keep the pipeline with the Lord uncluttered. Uncluttered from carnality and sin and compromise so you can clearly hear him. You know, um, we live in what's now a completely sex-saturated culture. We've gone way beyond the sexual revolution where everything now is about sexuality and gender confusion and it's all in the mix out there and it's all demonically inspired. Um, we, know, we know that. But as Christians, you and I have to make sure that we're not sucked into this stuff. Amen? He made them male and female. And somewhere in Genesis, he talks about what he made was good. Man, it's not real complicated. Real simple, isn't it? Um, his standards of sexual morality are, are plain and they're simple. Amen. 
And when you cross those lines in terms of your behavior, you're inviting demonization, Christian or not. Uh, I could tell you be pure because of sexually transmitted diseases, but I'm more concerned about spiritually transmitted diseases. So live pure so that he doesn't have some kind of a right to move in and bring confusion to your life. Amen? Is it okay if the church returns to purity? Integrity. Say, well, you know, I, I did this wrong, I did that wrong. Well, guess what? Your life today is time to repent and move on. Enjoy the forgiveness of God and move on. It's not the devil's business where you were at. Are you here? But your decision needs to be from now on, I'm going to live clean in a dirty world. Amen. Hallelujah. Look at somebody and say, no STDs here, bless God. Come on, none, zero, nada. And yes, demonization would be an STD. Number five, avoid demonic influences. Media, inputs, mind-altering substances, things were demonic activity and Satanism are being celebrated, and it's getting more difficult all the time. Used to be a time you could just turn on a Super Bowl and watch a football game and a couple of cute commercials. But now we want to shock and awe, you know, with our homage to Satan and his activity. Well, guess what? Well, Satan is a liar. And it's, it's fine for you to recognize that, but make sure you're not exposing that stuff to yourself. You'll be desensitized to it. The other day, there's a bunch of 11, 12-year-old girls messing around with a Ouija board, and some things manifested on them. And they freaked out. Why? Because demons are real. And if you invoke them, they will show up. If you open a door to your life, they'll be glad to walk through it. You have no business being involved in that stuff. Well, I, I just get my palm red occasionally. Come over here and I'll throw some red paint on your palm and we'll settle it. Amen. It'll be done forever. Your palm is red. Tarot cards. I'm going to get a reading, you know, because I'm interested in what, what it has to say. I'm going to look at the horoscope because, you know, what it's, it, may, it seems to be accurate. Yeah, that's right. How the spirit, you know, how the, how the planets are lining up. That's how it, it affects your life. No, you have a living God. Amen. You're a child of God. You don't need that nonsense in your life. You got the word of God. The Bible says that if you're a sheep, you hear his voice. You don't need that stuff. So if it's in your life, repent of it and move on. It's a fast track to demonization to expose yourself to that. And when something's on the inside of you just rumbling, you know, when you feel like, hey, this stuff is, is demonic, respond to it. Don't excuse it. Don't rationalize it away. That means if you have to get up and walk out of a theater in the middle of a movie you paid for in your $30 popcorn, By all means, take the popcorn with you. Just leave. <laughs> and it's out there. I won't tell you what the name of the movie is, but years ago, from like in, within five minutes, this thing just set it on Kelly and me. It was just like this horrible thing. And to this day, when I see that thing, that name of that movie, I just go, I can remember how grieved the Spirit of God was. Amen? And we didn't say, well, we paid $5.75 or $8.95 or whatever it is. 1595 <laughs> for that movie. It's just like, 
It's, it's grieving the spirit of God within us. Don't allow that stuff to have entrance in your life. Are you here? The spirit of God will tell you. Do you believe that today? Don't expose yourself to that stuff. It's an open door to demonization. Hallelujah. Number six, resist the devil. His pressure, his accusation, his temptation, his suggestion, his pressure, and he'll flee from you. And how do you do that according to James 4, 7? It starts with submitting to God. Say it, submit to God. Resist the devil. Amen. It talks about having a broken heart. It talks about humility in that passage of Scripture where you and I resist the devil and what will happen? You'll flee. Um, you know, I can tell you this. That, that Keith Moore said it best. There are a lot of Christians that are resisting things they ought to be yielding to and yielding to things they ought to be resisting. Turn his mind and tell him, resist the devil. Tell him, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. What will he do? He'll flee. Will he come back? Yeah. yeah. But what do you do? You resist him again. Come on, say it with me. Stay immersed in the Word of God. Quickly deal with hurts. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Keep the pipeline with the Lord clear. Avoid demonic influences. Resist the devil. What are you going to do when you see this stuff coming your way? I want to you know, just say, take this moment, I, I thank God for all of our public school teachers. Give them a hand clap. They're just in the middle of a war. And, you know, uh, they, they don't always have the best in administration support. And they're out there on the front line. And we thank God for them. And some time ago, God began to speak to us about our need to provide an alternative to parents who are concerned about the wokeism slipping into schools the critical race theory that's slipping into schools that's doing nothing but dividing people. And, um, and so this fall, we will launch K through 3 here at the Harbor, Hope Harbor Academy. And, uh, and the responses, you know, in the, in the community, uh, people are fed up. I mean, go figure, they, they, they think their child should be able to be taught math and reading and writing without having some philosophy thrown on them. And I'm not going to give you any details about this, but, uh, you know, Kelly was telling me she was in a business recently, and the lady said to her, she goes, oh, yeah, uh, where do you go to church at? And she just said, well, we're actually pastors at Hope Harbor Church. And the lady said this, everybody say, in Murray. You think in California, Chicago, you're thinking some, you know, liberal place in some, in somewhere in Europe. Murray. Look at somebody say Murray Tucky. The lady said, um, well, I need to get myself and my child back in, in church. And she said, my child came home from elementary school the other day. The teacher told the whole class that Jesus was not a real person. And her response is correct. She went on to explain to her child that not only was he historically there, nobody even denies he was physically here historically. They may debate about who he actually is or who they think he is. But she said, certainly Jesus is a person. And actually, this is what he is. Now, if you think this is out there somewhere, you're deceived. So you pray for our school systems. You engage them as a parent. Don't assume everything's going right. 
Stay engaged. And then for those parents who are interested in their kids having the finest in Christian education, without all of that grit being tossed on top of their heads by opportunistic kinds of administrators, and some teachers do this, we're going we're to take them in here and raise up champions for Jesus Christ. Yeah. Amen. And, uh, so moms and dads, uh, grandmas and grandpas, you're interested, uh, see Bryce and Grace. Uh, Grace is probably over there, isn't she? <laughs> but Bryce, once you wave, in case you don't know who you are, he's our director of schools. And um, just a little tidbit. Yeah, give him a hand clap. We thank God for him. Um, The, you know, the, the feedback right now is really, really kind of cool on what, uh, what parents are saying. They're kind of feeling and the same things that a lot of us have felt with what's going on. But uh, with, with great passion, they're communicating, you know, their desire to see this thing happen. And uh, I think Sharon, the woman you talked to, said, if I have to work two jobs, I'm getting my kid out from under, which she feels is a threat to her child's welfare. Um, that's the difficulty here. But I want to just point out to you this. Um, you and I, as, as people of God, uh, need to do whatever we can, not just bark at the darkness, but do something. Amen. Amen. To make things better. And that's our, our part of that. Amen. So I'm going to pray about that. Amen. And tell people about what's going on that God's trying to do. Um, you were telling me, Bryce, that uh, one child who is in, well, pre-K, right there, four years old, they have already passed the halfway mark of what they expect a child to be doing in kindergarten by their exposure to our learning center here. So all of our learning center staff, give them a big hand clap. We thank God for you, what you're doing. What's the, what's the point? The point is that these kids are flourishing academically, but they're learning the things of God. Uh, Timothy and Sarah will share videos where Juliana is actually quoting scripture. How priceless is that? One was on the fruit of the Spirit. Amen. Um, train them up. Amen. Get them in the Word. Get them on fire for God. Glory to God. Look at somebody and tell them, resist the devil. And number seven, cultivate extreme gratitude in your life. Say it with me, extreme gratitude. The relationships, the blessings that you have. Say this with me. Ingratitude is an open door to demonization. Everybody here has some wild things they could be thanking God for. Amen. Raise your hand if you know you got some things you can thank God for. Has he been good to you? I said, has he been good to you? How good has he been to you? Been that good, huh? I mean, it's hard to become cantankerous and angry and, you know, vengeful and, and bitter and belligerent and all that other stuff. And it characterizes the person that's demonized when you're just full of gratitude. Are you here today? So you have a problem with somebody. Ungrateful people focus on that one thing they don't like about that person. The, gra the gracious person says, there's 500 things I like about him. And so what do you do? You start thanking God for the things that are right about that person instead of thinking and dwelling on the thing that's wrong about that person. How about you give what's wrong to the Lord, you pray for them, and you celebrate what's right about them. Amen? And don't walk up to somebody and say, well, I have a severe problem with you, but I'm going to focus on the good things instead. So I thank God for this and this and this. 
Some people in times past got a hold of some really bad teaching on forgiveness and told them that uh, whatever's going on, they should go up to somebody that didn't even know about something that was done and, and tell them how, how upset you were with them. No, just some of these things you need to take to the Lord. Follow Scripture where you need to. Amen? And celebrate what's right. Amen. Hallelujah. My mother is a cornucopia of experiences. Amen. Glory to God. But if you get to know her, you know she has a big old huge heart. Amen. But cross her. <laughs> Mr. T say, I pity the poor fool. People that avoid demonization are thankful, grateful people. They're always focused on what's right, the positive things, the good things in life, in church, what God is doing in their lives, and that's the way we want to be. Amen? Why don't you stand to give the Lord a big hand clap if you receive it today?